to be the pastor of this great assembly. God wants to do some great and mighty works. And you're here because, you're here because of fellowship. You're here because you want to be here. No one forced you or put you in shackles to be here. You're here because God loves you. We are to worship God in spirit and in truth. Amen? Amen. And he's moving. And he's doing a little shaking and a little bit of a rumbling, right? He's shaking things up in this country, that, that's for sure. I don't know about you, but he's shaking things up. And he's really shaking things around the world. And I think many people have simply just lost their peace and lost their way. And they're living in fear. And, and Jesus is just shaking things up and trying to get our attention. I believe that. And we need to turn back to Jesus and turn to him in faith. And I believe he's saying, don't fear. Do not fear. Do not worry. Don't let your hearts be troubled. I will be your peace. And I will give you peace. And I will be your refuge and strong tower in times of trouble. And so we need to continue to pray and preach and praise and evangelize the world and, and worship him again in spirit and truth. We need to continue to meet and greet uh, in the church and, and, in the, in, and outside the church and in the marketplace and even in your private homes and, and apartments and wherever you are, right? Until Jesus comes, and we can continue to do it to the best of our ability until he comes, continue to unite in faith and love. And you know, there's places around the world and even now in this country where there's no peace. There's just no peace and people are living in fear and people are, are, are angry. And their hearts are troubled. In many places, you're no longer free to, to worship, even if you're outside, unless you follow certain protocols and rules and regulations. And in this country, when governments hinder our worship, I believe they violate our First Amendments, uh, which they took an oath and, um, of office to really protect. In fact, these offices or these officials really, uh, their oath is to support uh, the Constitution of the United States from all enemies foreign and 
domestic, not abuse it or try to change it for political agenda or manipulate it for uh, their, their own agenda or because it's an election year. And what's happening in this country is really alarming. The fighting, the arguing, the division, alarming. It seems to be getting worse. And the longer we stay in this, the worse things seem to get and get out of control. In many ways, right becomes wrong and wrong becomes right. And recently in, in Idaho, for example, police arrested some Christians for singing hymns peacefully during an outdoor worship event where hundreds of people gathered. They seemed to violate some social distancing order that was even outside, and it was peaceful, religious, legal event. On the other hand, protesters seem to be running crazy and wild in this country, and that seems to be okay, and let's just close down police departments, and that seems to be okay. Wrong seems to be right. We need to compress in more with God. And you would think, hey, this is impossible to happen in America. But just in a few months, we see it happening. We need to pray for America. We need to continue to press in with God. There's so much confusion and misinformation and propaganda out there today. It's hard to know who to believe and what to listen to anymore, who to listen to. And, and forget about it if you just don't have the same view that someone else has. They want to crucify you. Especially the further they get, the more they want to crucify you if you don't totally agree with them. And just look at the debates that happened on Tuesday. Two world leaders arguing, debating, calling each other's names, clown, stupid. Right? Both sides, I think, were a little bit out of control, in my opinion, especially with all the interruptions. When leaders act this way, no wonder society acts this way, right? We kind of expect it. This type of activity from the world, we don't expect it from world leaders and we truly don't expect it from the church or God's people. Recently, I had a friend and we politically did not agree and we can still be friends and we've been friends for 10 years, but something changed this year in America. It's different and we know each other, like I said, around 10 years and he claims to be a Christian and we are having a conversation like we always do and we've been talking about politics and stocks and all these things for years. And then recently, the conversation about voting came up, and I said, this is how I vote. I'm pro-Jesus. I'm pro the Bible. I'm pro law and order. I'm pro the police department and military and the Constitution. I'm pro that. And I don't want lawlessness, and I don't want looting, and I, and I don't want people running around burning the place down and destroying property. I don't want that, right? I don't want to be living in fear and looking over my shoulder either, and then knowing if, if there's help that's needed, no help is coming, because we're in some kind of autonomous zone. I, I don't want that personally in this country. Leave that for other countries. And that bothered him. And he started getting really angry. He just feels sometimes you have to do violent things and you have to, and, and he just got into it and, um, and he was really upset because he thought I was telling him how to vote. I don't tell people how to vote. I never tell people how to vote. I don't, usually don't even tell people how I vote. It's not really none of your business. Um, it's God's business for sure, I believe that. But inside the church is something different. Our faith in Christ is not a political one. We don't make political uh, politics part of salvation. Salvation is for all people. You know what that means? All people. All people means all people from all over the world. Wherever you come from, all people. We're not to add anything salvation, not masks or no masks. We're not supposed to add these things. There's supposed to be no slants, especially inside the church. Our faith in Christ is not a political one. It's a salvation one. It's about Jesus Christ. And we ought to mix these politics together, right? Salvation is about all people, for all people, right? So we need to understand that. But we do teach biblical principles in this church, and we're allowed to do that. And so if people want to take God out of the presidential narrative, buyer, beware. And while we're not voting on a, a pastor or a priest or a theologian, I want to see leaders pro-America. I want to see leaders putting forth God's agenda. I want to see leaders putting forth God's purpose for our good. Amen? All right, and removing God from our pledge or, or wanting to make churches uh, non-essential, right, or devalued or any way or limit our, our speech or limit the way we have our services or violate scripture in any way. This is not putting forth our best interests. And those who are not uh, following or upholding our constitution or our amendments are not for our good. They're not out for our greater good. And so what I say is buyer beware. In 1 Samuel chapter 8, you should turn to that, or at least have that somewhere handy. 1 Samuel chapter 8 reminds us of the elders of Israel gathered and told Samuel they want a king. 
And verse 5 of that chapter says, You are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us and such as all the other nations have. By the way, I don't want to be like all the other nations. I don't want to be like what they all have. They're trying to come here. We're not trying to go there, right? And there's things that made this country great. And we're different. And we need to hold to a different value system. Are we perfect? No. Have we made mistakes? Yes. But this is still one of the greatest countries in the world. And so our forefathers came here for religious liberties and freedoms and for a brighter future and a brighter tomorrow. And so they came to this country and it was built on a God-based system of laws. Verse 6 says, when they said, give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. And he prayed to the Lord and the Lord told him, listen to all that the people are saying. It's not that they have rejected you, they have rejected me. And then he starts to explain in more details what's happening. They look to man instead of looking to God. right? And they made decisions that were not God-based. And they lost their peace. And then they lost their way, right? And then they became enslaved to this king. And in verse 18 it says, When the day comes, you will cry out for relief from the king you have chosen. And the Lord will not answer you in that day. So again, I say, buyer beware. How you vote, buyer beware. And we too will lose our peace and our way and become enslaved to our, to our leaders. If we continue to look to them. Instead of looking to God, amen, looking for the, to God for help, to God for support, for God for our future and our peace. Jesus is our peace. And if we're going to have peace in this country, then we need to go back to following Jesus. And scripture is looking, is looking to God. We're looking to God. We're looking for his words to come alive to us. So this morning we're going to continue this series called I Am. And I've titled this message this morning, I Am Peace. I am peace. And God will be your peace because no matter where we are, no matter what we're going through, no matter who's our president, no matter who's leading this country, no matter who is in, in power, no matter what we face, Jesus can be our peace. But it means trusting him. Yes. It means obeying him. It means following his ways and placing him first in our life and all that we do and all that we say. Amen. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's word? We're going to be in the book of, of John we're going to be in the book of John chapter 14, and we're going to begin at verse 23. Book of John 23. Hallelujah. Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him, and he will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teachings. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the counsel of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives you. Do not let your hearts be, be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say, I'm going away and I'm coming back to you, and if you love me, you will be glad that I'm going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before this happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not speak with you much longer, for the prince of this world is coming, and he has no hold on me, but the world must learn that I love the Father, and that I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Let's, let's pray. Lord, be our peace. Lord, be our perfect peace, oh God. Oh God, I pray that you just come into this room, Lord God, and you descend in this house, oh Lord, and that you touch us, oh God. And Lord, those that are my listening from afar, oh God, I pray too that you will touch them in their homes or in their car, oh God, or through their phone or whatever electronic devices they're listening to you for from God. I pray, Lord God, that you will touch hearts and pierce them, oh God. And Lord, cover them with your peace, oh God. Cover them, Lord, with your precious blood, oh God. Help them to know the great I am. Help them to know who you are, God. Help them to know you in a real and intimate way, oh God, so they will be obedient obedient children unto you, Lord God. And through you, oh God, and through your help and works, oh God, we will change. You will change our hearts and we can change this land and change this country. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. And John chapter 14 opens up by saying, do not, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust God and also trust me in my Father's house. 
were many rooms or many mansions. If this was not so, I would have told you so. But I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back to take you with me that you might be where I am. And Jesus is telling his disciples that he's leaving. And he's leaving very soon. And after all the things they've been through, he's leaving. After all the miracles, he's leaving. After all the companionship, he's leaving, right? And this is like troubling to them. Um, and, and whenever a friend leaves you, it, it can be troubling to you, right? And so Jesus is telling them in advance of what is going to happen. And it's not like, hey, he just woke up and he just left. Now, some people just do that. You wake up and they're gone. But Jesus is not doing that. Jesus is showing love and compassion to his disciples and he's preparing them for his departure and he's also sending them out for better things that are going to come their way. But at that moment, they don't get it. At that moment, they're in trouble and their heart's trouble. And what's happening is Jesus knows what's making their heart a trouble. And so right away, right away, Jesus comes in and says, don't let your hearts be troubled. And I want to say to you this morning, don't let your hearts be troubled either, right? With everything that's going around, don't let your hearts be troubled. With everything you're seeing, everything that you're hearing, everything that, that you're feeling, don't let your hearts be troubled. Focus on God more than you're focusing on your situation. I want you to hear that this morning. Focus on God more than you're focusing on your situation. And we're, tr we're truly living during troubling times. There's so much that has happened, and there's so much that's happening, and there's so much that will continue to happen. And people are arguing and fighting and complaining and, 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 and fearful, and, and they're sick, and, and the list goes on and on. They really don't have peace. They don't have a bright future. They can't see a bright future either. And so they're lost, and they're broken, and their spirit is troubled. But the Lord says to his disciples, to those that love him, to those that are following him, don't let your heart be troubled. Amen? Don't let your heart be troubled. I'm going to leave you, but don't worry about it. I got your back. Don't worry about it. Peace, I'm going to leave you. My peace, I'm going to give you. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. So the first thing we're going to speak about this morning is perfect peace. Hallelujah. Perfect peace. Jesus is peace. And his peace is perfect. And this is the type of peace that he wants to give you, right? My peace, I give you. My peace, don't you be afraid. Now the peace that, that the world gives looks different. And this type of peace is very temporary. It's based on the world. It's based on what the world has to offer, right? It's based on your job or your, or your employment, your 401k, your IRA, your bank accounts. It's based on all these other things. And they vanish very quickly. And they can just disappear like that. And we'll speak more about that maybe in a little bit. But God's peace is superior in every way because it's perfect in every way and because it comes from God. James chapter 1 Verse 17 says, every good and perfect gift comes from above, comes down from the, the Father of heavenly lights who does not change. Your Father God does not change and he wants to give you perfect gifts. Hallelujah. And so in the midst of all this chaos and confusion, we can have perfect uh, confidence and trust in a perfect God who wants to bless us with perfect gifts. Amen. And gifts from him. Right. We can have peace that comes from God. Colossians verse 3, chapter 3, verse 15 says, um, it basically makes reference to the peace of the Lord. 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 16 references the Lord of peace. 2 John 1, verse 3 mentions the God of mercy and peace that comes from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. And these three, these, these days, we need all three of these things, right? In operation, grace, mercy, and peace. Where's the grace these days for the people that don't agree totally with you, right? Or have a different point of view. Where's the grace? Where's the mercy when you've been wronged or when, when people are being wronged? Will you take to the streets? Will, will you be violent, right? Will you burn the place down? Will you loot? Um, in some cases, maybe you're not that radical. And maybe you just want to divide against your family or divide against your friends or divide against your church, right? And we, maybe you want to take revenge against them and withhold their love and support from them. Or, or maybe you should be showing compassion. Maybe you should be showing love and, and mercy and forgiveness, especially when you have the power to punish or, or to harm them back. My peace I give you. My peace I give you. Do you have that peace? Do you really have that peace? 
Where does that peace come from? Does it come from your job? Does it come from your education? Does it come from your resources or your, or your wealth? Or does it come from your own efforts? Where does that peace come from? It comes from the Lord. And we need that perfect peace of God to rule and reign in our life and in our hearts daily. Hallelujah. When things go wrong, trust God. Things will go wrong. Wake up call. It will go wrong. Right? Trust God. We need that perfect peace of God. When things go wrong, trust God. When you feel like you're sinking, right, and the boat is going down, or the world is closing in on you, or, and, and you don't know who to turn to for your peace or help, where does that peace come from? Perfect peace comes from a perfect God. Perfect peace comes from a perfect God. And we can place our confidence in Him in knowing that He's in control of every situation. He knows everything. He sees everything. He loves you. He cares for you. Amen. As we learned last week, the great I am is with you. I am with you. And that should be comforting. That's all that we need. And knowing that he's in control should give us confidence and peace. Knowing that whatever we're going through, he got our back. He's in control. He's control over everything. We trust him. Now, I agree that things just look messy these days, right? Um, we have this virus that's looming and these, and these streets are being looted and we have an election year and we have a vaccination that maybe next week, maybe several months, maybe, who knows, years from now, who knows? And we have people that are confused, afraid, living in fear. Uh, anger is ruling the day in just so many ways, right? We have even good people and they're losing it. And they're fighting and arguing and good Christians have departed and some have even gone astray from the faith and the fellowship of believers. And the Bible says in the end times there's going to be a great falling away, a great apostasy that takes place of a believers. And it's messy out there. Suicide rates are up. Depression is up. Anxiety is up at all levels. Just deal with people like, hello, whoa, easy. Whoa, you know, like people just are starting to lose their mind. But God is good all the time, and God is on the throne, and God loves you, and God, 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 God just, God wants to give you His perfect gifts. Whatever you're going through, He wants to give you His perfect gifts. Amen. Do you want that today? I know I do. I hope you want that too. I hope you crave that today as well. That you want the peace from God. Will you trust Him with your life? Will you trust Him with your life? Will you trust Him with your future? Will you trust Him with your everything? You know, trust and peace go hand in hand. And when you don't trust God, how can you have real peace? People spend their life wanting that peace. They want, they want that greater understanding. But it only comes through Jesus Christ and knowing your Savior. And if God is great, and He's the great I am, and I know that He is. And if He's sovereign and He knows all things, and, and, he, and he knows the future, and He sees in the future. And you know that He has plans and purposes for you that are good. Amen? They're good. Will you trust Him? Will you trust Him even when it's hard? Will you trust Him even when it hurts? Will you trust Him when, when things aren't going in your favor? Will you trust Him when you're sick? Will you trust Him even with the new president that's on the way? Will you trust Him? Right? Will you trust Him if He stays the same? Will you trust Him if there's a new one? Will you trust Him regardless? Listen, He's not surprised and caught off guard by anything that happens in your life or the country. We are the ones that are caught off guard. We are the ones that are shocked. We are the ones like, I can't believe this is happening. But I think many people have lost their trust and faith in God Almighty Himself. And I hear this all the time. The system is broken. The system is broken. Most of us, many of us, might agree with that statement. That it's broken or it's breaking or being violated. And when sin and lawlessness rules the day, and bad things happen and evil excels, Satan is laughing. And so trust has been violated and broken in many ways. And we've lost our peace. And we mistrust. And often that carries over to people mistrusting God. Especially when bad things happen to good people. You start to question God. You say, why me, God? Why them, God? I know me, but they're good people. So, so why them, God? Where are you, God? Why don't you love us, God? Where are you, God? You can't be found, oh God. And we start asking all these questions. But I can tell you right now, God doesn't want to see bad things happen to you, right? He has a plan and a purpose for you and your life. And it's good. Amen. Amen. It's good. 
But often we go astray. We, we sin. We lose focus. We, we lose our hope. We stop trusting him and we stop seeking him with all our hearts. And, and, when, and we remove ourselves. We remove ourselves and we step outside of his covering. John Revere has a, has a great book about stepping out from being undercover. Undercover of the leadership. Undercover of authorities, right? And we, and we start stepping out of that covering. And, 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 and he removes his hand sometimes of provision and, and protection because of our sinful action and our sinful ways. And unfortunately, things start happening that are unfavorable. And never forget this, that evil is lurking in the shadows and around the corners wanting to, to hurt you and to kill you and destroy you. Because Satan is a liar and a thief. And if you give him an inch, he's going to take 10 feet or, or 30 yards Sin will always take you further than you want to go. And sin will always linger around and hang around longer than you want it to hang around. Get away from me, sin. I resist you in Jesus' name. But it hangs around longer than you want it to hang around. And many times we go through trials and testings because we simply have fallen. We live in a fallen world. Maybe evil resides. Or good people have maybe remained silent for too long. And where faith has diminished and faith has wavered. Churches should be filled to capacity with people seeking the Lord and uniting in faith, especially if there's a pandemic out there or, or chaos and confusion or a world crisis. But what's happening? When it should be filled and should be, be overflowing, churches are considered non-essential. Close them down. Shut them down. Stop your worship. People are out of alignment with Scripture and forsaken the assembly. And I get that there's some good reasons why people are home. I get that. And I get that, that it's not just about meeting inside this building. And someday this building might be shut. And tomorrow your homes might get shut. Right? Because they might say it's illegal for brothers and sisters to go into your house and worship. And it might be illegal for us to open up another church somewhere else. Where, where believers just want to meet. So, so don't be fooled and don't be angered by this. When I say the church should be filled to capacity, I'm speaking way beyond this building. Way beyond this building, right? And not just this building. We need to unite in faith and love and have, a, and have community and, and, and unity and, 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 and fellowship with the believers. As lawlessness increases and our rights and constitutions are violated or diminishes and, and the biblical practices are not adhered to, things are going to get worse in this country and really around the world. You know that's going to happen as, as, as our voices are silenced. Now sometimes bad things happen to good people. We know this. Sometimes. Sometimes it's because of the bad decisions we make. Sometimes it's because... Um, People take a stand when they don't take a stand, when they have an opportunity to take a stand and evil just takes over. And sometimes we jump ahead of God's plan and purpose and, and his timing. We saw that with Moses. We saw that with Samson, right? We, we did that a couple of weeks ago where they got ahead of God and God's timing. And simply sometimes we're just in the wrong place at the wrong time and evil's just lurking there. And we don't belong there for whatever reason we are there. There's so many reasons why this stuff happens, but God is still in control. And we can trust him. In the book of Genesis, Joseph is, is telling his brothers um, about a dream that he had or, or some dreams that he had. And they hated him and they were, they were jealous uh, about him because he told them, hey, listen, one day you guys are all going to bow down to me. And hey, daddy, you're going to be bowing down to me as, as well. And, and so that, they hated him to the point that they planned to kill him. So they settled for second best and they didn't kill him, but they just decided to sell him into slavery. But he remained faithful even though he was abandoned by his family, forgotten by his people, accused of a crime that he never committed, thrown into prison, right? This was a terrible time for him. And listen, prison today is not prison like it was back then. Today you get three squares, three square meals, you get a TV, right? maybe even internet, I don't even know, but I know you get dental and medical and, and it's all free. But see, there it was cold and, and dark and gloomy and nasty and you really didn't want to be there at all. It was painful to be there. And yet Joseph remained faithful to the Lord, regardless of what he went through, regardless of what things looked like with his eyes. Oh, things don't look right, regardless of what he saw with his eyes. And God remembered him and elevated him to the highest position, only second to Pharaoh himself. And in Genesis, we want to write this down, verse 50, uh, chapter 50, verse 20. Joseph is speaking to his brothers and says, You indeed, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives, right? Oh, yeah. 
Jesus came to seek and save many lives, to save many lives because he loves us greatly. He cares for us greatly. Amen? Amen. And we don't always understand God's plans. And we, we, we might choose things differently for ourselves, but God's plans and ways are higher yes. than our plans. And they're greater. And God, praise God, but he sees so much further than, than what we can see, right? He knows more than we know, right? And so who do we want to trust, guys? Who do we want to trust, folks? Do you want to trust yourself, the government, science? Who do you want to trust over God's words? And when God declares something, it is. That's it. Final. It is. When you understand that God is with you and God is for you and that God has plans for you and they're good and they're being worked out through you and for you, you can trust him. Amen. You can trust him. You can rely on him. And that gives you peace. Yes. But again, there's a real enemy out there. There's a real enemy out there. He hates you. He wants to see you hurt. He doesn't want you to have peace today. He wants you to be disturbed. He wants you to be distracted. He wants you to be disillusioned with God and disillusioned with church and disillusioned with this good book, this holy book. You will never have real peace as you follow Satan, you follow the world's standards and schemes. Never. Real peace comes from God. Amen. A real God. He's alive. Amen. And he wants the best for you. And we can have confidence in him that my God will meet all my needs, according his, to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. All. Not just some. And he doesn't just give you a little. He doesn't just dip, dip it. He, he, he lavishes you with this. It's not about understanding everything that happens in your life or everything that happens in this world. But it's about who you put your trust in. Who you put your faith in. Who can meet all your needs. Jesus Christ, the Son of of the living God. And I think Philippians 4 gives us great insight and instruction on how we should think and how we should behave. And if we jump to Philippians 4, verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your evidence, let your gentleness be evidence to all. Not you looting, not burning the place down, not, not, not destruction. Let your gentleness, gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious for anything, but in everything, by, by prayer and supplication or petitions, with thanksgiving, present your request unto God. And may the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Amen? Peace I leave you. My peace I give you. Jesus is perfect peace. And Jesus' peace is not like this world. It's not like the world. His peace transcends all understanding. Now, recently, my wife, a friend, died of colon cancer. She was 46 years old, and seven weeks after being diagnosed with this cancer at age 46, she, she died. And she made a Facebook post and started talking to her friends and family who, who really came around her, especially in those last seven weeks, to help her. And while her, while her body was failing and she lost so much weight and this battle was really raging on, it was this battle, will, will the cancer kill her first? Will the chemo kill her first, right? It was so hard to watch. But what was amazing to see this blessed woman full of the peace of God that transcends all understanding. This godly woman was just talking with such, such peace. And you know, she comes from a whole line of family of, of, of ministers. And you know, the next day they had to get come to church and they had to preach the word to people. But there was great peace in the middle of this great battle for her life. Her work was done on earth and she was going to Father God in glory, right? Home to glory, amen? And we don't understand the why behind all these things and why they happen, but we trust God. Anyway, we have the peace from God while we are alive. And you know, we have to trust God while we're well, or even if we're sick, make those moments count for his glory and for his honor. Jesus's peace is not like the world. And she knew Jesus in a very personal and dear way in church. And those who are watching at home or listening on podcasts or social media, right? Jesus is the way, the truth, right? There's no other way to father God. And John 14 verse 6 says, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And his words and promises are for everyone. Every one of them are going to come to be. And while people get upset and they want to argue this, the scripture, it's simple to me. Either God's words are true, trustworthy, 
and reliable or they're not. It's really that simple. So you either believe God's word or you don't believe God's word, right? It's really simple. So, so they feel that, well, I'm not going to serve a God who's exclusive, right? Or I'm not going to serve a God who makes these comments. Well, then you rejected Jesus Christ and you are lost for eternity because you don't get to make those rules. And don't take this message so lightly. You can have the peace of God, but you need to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. It is not promised to all people, this peace. It's not promised to all people, but all people can have salvation. All people can have access to these promises. See, salvation is a free gift from God. And real peace comes from God. And it's given to His children. I will give you my peace. Who's He speaking to? He's speaking to the disciples, not the world. He's speaking to us, to believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. This promise is not just for everybody, for unbelievers. It's for the believer. Jesus' peace is not like the world. So if you live like the world, you cannot have Jesus' peace. And if we know Jesus in a personal way, we should have greater peace than the world. So when the world looks at you, they should actually be jealous of your joy. They should be jealous of your happiness. They should be jealous of the fact that you have this type of peace that transcends all understanding. You have to understand that, right? And they should ask you, why do you have such hope? Why are you so happy? Why are you doing some great things? Why are you going forward in your faith? My peace I give you, I do not give it to you like the world. You see, the world makes promises that they cannot keep and they cannot guarantee. Many of them are filled with excuses. Just look at the debates, all the excuses. Just look at the debates, all the lies. Someone is lying to us. Maybe both of them are lying to us, right? There's a lot of clashing, a lot of lies that were going before us. But what I know for sure is God's promises and God's peace comes from Him directly, right? And they're backed, they're fully backed by God Himself, who does not lie, who does not cheat. And His words are so sharp and laser accurate, you can depend on it. They come fully backed and guaranteed by God Himself. And what He says is 100% accurate every time, all the time. It comes with His backing. He will do what He says He will do, and you can rely on Him. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. He tells us He will give us His peace. Not any peace, not like the world has peace, but His peace, perfect peace. Peace that will blow your mind. That type of peace. That type of peace that while you're dying, you could have peace. That peace that when you're going through fire of life, and things are just burning around you, and there's rumblings and grumblings, right? And looters, you could have peace. Even when life is hitting you with turbulent times, you could have peace. Don't let your hearts be troubled, he says. Do not be afraid. This is from God himself. And verse 28 says, you heard me say, I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. If you love me, you will be glad that I'm going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I, and I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. Jesus, peace is not of the world. And so we are to rejoice and be glad that he's going away. And John 14 opens up again with Jesus saying and telling us that where he's going and what he's going to do. And he speaks about heaven and he speaks about mansions and he speaks about the counselor, the Holy Spirit. Now, I can't tell you if we're going to have mansions in heaven like we have mansions on earth, especially because we're going to have new bodies. And we don't need the same things, the food, you know, the, the sleep. We don't need all the rooms like we might need, the, just the bedrooms, whatever it is. And so this word mansion really means dwelling place. And so maybe it's about our new bodies, right? Maybe it's about, it's going from a tent to going to a mansion. And this fleshly body, right, is also referred to as a tent. A temporary tent, a temporary dwelling place, right? A temporary body. And so maybe 
we're going from a tent to a mansion, and our bodies just are not our bodies, but whatever it is, we're going to have a new body anyway, right? Where, there's going to, where we're going to reign with Jesus for eternity, where God's going to be, and whatever it is, and whatever it looks like, whatever it happens to be, it's going to be wonderful. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be glorious, and, and the words cannot really even express how great and beautiful it's going to be. It's going to be beyond our imagination. Beyond it, way, whatever you can imagine, it's going to be better than what you can imagine. It's going to transcend all understanding. It's going to be amazing. And we feel the pain and loss of a loved one. We do. And this lady's in heaven right now. Immediately hanging out with Jesus. What's up? Immediately hanging out with Jesus. There's a party out there too. Absent from the body is present with God. And so we can only dream about or imagine what it's going to be. Healthy body. Amen. And no more sickness, and no more weeping, and no more shedding of tears. And, and she's at peace with God that transcends all understandings. And I want that type of, that type of peace, on, peace on earth as it is in heaven. And, uh, and I'm not no rush to get to heaven, but I'm going to tell you, I can't wait for heaven. But, you know, I have a work to, that has to be done here, too. And my children need to get married. We need to have some grandchildren, all right? I'm jealous, you know, of some of you that have grandchildren, right? But we can have the confidence and peace that someday we will see him face to face and what a glorious day that's going to be with my Jesus that I can see face to face right and we will be with him for in the heavenlies and we're just going to enjoy him forever and ever and you know what heaven it starts here on earth forever for eternity starts here right now for those who are saved and set free for those who have Jesus as their Lord and Savior and I try to have the same attitude and mindset that Paul had in Philippians uh, chapter 1, verse 20. I eagerly expect and hope that I will no way be ashamed, but, but will have sufficient courage. So now, as Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And I'm go if I go on living in this body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I don't know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and to, and to be with Christ, which is better by far, right? But it's more necessary for you that I remain in body. And so convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you in, the, uh, in your progress and your joy in the faith so that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ will overflow on the account of me. Real peace. Real joy comes from knowing the real Lord. Not anybody who says he's Jesus, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And the reason why there's so many people running around um, without peace and without joy is because there's so many people running around without Jesus. That's why. They don't know Jesus in a real and personal way and they just get caught up in religion. They just get caught up in tradition. They just get caught up in not really understanding and they remain lost in their ways and lost in their sin. And now, on your own, we are unable and incapable of, of keeping God's laws. And we need help. God's help. Supernatural help that comes from the Lord Jesus Christ and from the Holy Spirit. And the Lord's telling his disciples in this portion of scripture, don't be troubled. Don't live in fear, right? Don't be afraid. I'm going to prepare a place for you, and I'm not going to leave you as orphans. And while Jesus' peace is not of this world... He's no longer walking around in the flesh. He's seated at the right hand of Father God in heaven. You can still have this type of peace on earth. He is now sending us the comforter, right? The counselor, the parakletos, the Holy Spirit, who's going to come alongside of you and help you. In fact, he's now going to dwell inside of you and he's going to multiply the Lord's ministry on earth and help grow his church, right? Where the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Hallelujah. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came upon people but did not dwell in people. In the New Testament and in today's society, He dwells inside of us. He dwells inside the born-again believer and He transforms us and changes us from the inside out. And so many people change on the outside only. Let me get a makeover. Let me get a do-over. Whatever, whatever. I don't know. Like, I don't know what people do when they do that walk or whatever. I, I don't know. They get a makeover, right? But they never change on the inside. They're only changing on the outside. So they're, they're still dirty. They're still unclean, right? Uh, the, the, the inside, though, has not been transformed. They have not had a change of heart. And so their ways, their beliefs, their attitudes, their motivations, right? All this stuff is eventually coming out. See, sin eventually will reveal itself. And when it does, it's ugly. It's dirty. It's nasty. 
But real change of a person is from the inside out, and it's supernatural. It's a supernatural change. Now, you might be able to physically have a heart transplant, right? Might be costly, might be deadly. So I wouldn't just go out and try to change your heart, thinking that it's going to change your life. But that doesn't change who you are on the inside. And the work of renewing your mind is daily. Day by day, renew your mind. Day by day. But the transformation of the heart is immediate. You're either saved or you're not. You either receive Jesus or you have not. You become a child of King Jesus is a supernatural transformation of the heart. And once it takes place, and until it takes place, we cannot truly live the life that we were worthy, uh, worthy of His calling. We cannot have real peace because without Him we're lost. We're wanderers until we're found. And salvation, until you accept Jesus, that's salvation. Jesus Lord and Savior, you're lost. But when you accept Jesus, immediately the indwelling of the Holy Spirit resides in you. And you can immediately start having the peace of God. Jesus' peace is perfect. Jesus' peace is not like this world. And finally, Jesus says, I am your peace. Jesus can be your peace. Peace I leave you, I leave with you. My peace I will give you. And at salvation, God's peace can become your peace too. But this is only the beginning of your walk and your journey with God. It's not the end, but it's the beginning of something greater. And you should grow and mature in your faith and your walk with, with God. Drawing closer to God over time, right? Desiring more of God over time. But some think, oh, well, I'm saved. And that means, oh, I can now do whatever I feel like. And I made the team. I made it. I'm okay now. Well, well, I don't really get that. Why would Jesus then give us the Holy Spirit, who's our counselor and our helper and our guide and our teacher? Why would we need any, anything further if we already have it all and, and we've totally just arrived? But the Holy Spirit comes alongside of us. And the Holy Spirit is going to continue to, to save us. It's a continuation of being saved, a continuation of being convicted. The Bible says when the Holy Spirit comes to convict the world uh, of guilt in regards to sin and righteousness and judgment, John 16, 8. And when you're convicted of sin, it leads to a decision. It always leads to a decision. For the non-believer, we believe that it's going to lead to repentance and salvation. For the believer, we believe it's going to lead to salvation, uh, to repentance, but you don't have to get resaved, right? You don't have to constantly be getting resaved. Not in the case, in the sense where you're crying out to God for that. You want to repent, right, and restore that relationship with God. But a decision is needed either way: obey God or not, receive Jesus or not, follow Him or not, and you either repent, which is turning from your sin and turning to God and to His ways and be obedient or you reject Him. It's really pretty simple to understand that a child should be able to understand this too. Saved, not saved. Following Him, not following Him. If all of a sudden you go and you go in a different direction, not following Him. Right? Follow the leader, the leader, the leader. Follow Jesus Christ. Now once saved, the Holy Spirit resides in you and you are to live rightly. And so you study God's word, you pray, you worship, you proclaim the good news of Christ, you, you fellowship with his believers, and you come to church, and, and you live a righteous life to the best that you can. You desire to do his will. You, you're obedient to his words. But again, this is a process that takes place. It's not the end. It's the beginning of your love relationship with God. It's, it's, a, it's the beginning of your walk with God, right? And the Lord wants us to be righteous and pure and holy. And continue in his ways. And obedience and loving him is part of this. And listen to this. John, Jesus is saying, John 14, 23. If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. When you reject, when you reject him, or you reject the Holy Spirit conviction in your life, you start to lose your peace. Why, why am I losing my peace? Because you, you stop following him. Stop trusting him. When you purposefully willfully, regularly reject Him and don't follow God's ways and laws and principles and you start acting, you, you, you start, you, you, you're no longer acting in a loving way towards Him. And maybe you're really not saved. 
And so this is a much bigger conversation, and, and we had some of this with some of the youth not, not too long ago. It can't be fully addressed in this one message, but people often want to just take one little part of Scripture and hold on to it and say, once saved, always saved. And then they want to live like the devil, right? A slippery serpent. They make decisions or confession of their faith, and then they go out and they kill, and they destroy, and they run crazy, and they cheat, and they steal, right? And they live like wicked people in this world. And their fruit is rotten, and their fruit stinks. And your salvation is in question, in my opinion. And 1 Corinthians chapter 6 gives you a list and those that are wicked, and those that will not inherit the kingdom of God. And you might want to try to read this this week and write this down. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And the Bible says, that's what some of you were. But you are now washed. You are sanctified. You are now justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's what you were. You were wicked. That's what you did. You did wicked things, and now you ought not to do these things anymore. There's obedience that should come and follow. He who does not love me will not obey my teachings. So there's something about obedience. Not loving, not obeying is going towards wickedness. Yes. Obedience to God's word is so important in loving God properly. Now sin is powerful. At times it's pleasing, and it could be pleasing for a season, but it's not pleasing forever, and there'll be consequences. And so people yield to sin and yield to God instead of yielding to God. So, they get, so God has given us the Holy Spirit to teach us, to guide us, to help us, right? To help us overcome sin and, and break the chains that we're, that we're living in. The Holy Spirit helps us and, and helps us to make the right choices and to live a holy life, to follow God's teaching. And if you say you're a Christian, which means you're a Christ follower, it is supposed to mean something. Oh, I'm a Christian. Everybody seems to be a Christian that day. And that's why, that's why they're ruining it for, for other people because they live it like the devil instead of living like Christ and modeling Christ in all that they do. You're supposed to yield to the Holy Spirit and be obedient to His words, God's words. And you cannot do this in your own power and your own strength. Right, Harry? We can't do this on our own. We need Jesus. And this is why so many so-called Christians are falling and failing and missing the mark and sinning. Because they're weak in their walk and faith with God. And they're no longer obedient and relying on God himself. And so they wreck things for their lives. And while the peace of God comes from God, sin separates us from God. It separates us from that peace. It distances us from his presence. And sin will cause you to start losing your peace. Especially when the Holy Spirit's telling you, go right and do this. And you go left and do your own thing. You grieve the Holy Spirit with your wrong life's actions and motives and, and manipulations and attitudes. And there's consequences for sin and consequences for your disobedience and sinfulness. And so the Holy Spirit convicts us about sin. He counsels us and teaches us. He also empowers us. In Acts chapter 1, he tells his disciples to wait for the gift the Father has promised them that they would be baptized with the Holy Spirit and will receive power. This is beyond salvation. So many Christians stop at salvation. Oh, I'm saved, once saved. And, that, and, that, and it's all that matters to them. That's all that counts to them. But let me tell you, no, I don't believe that's the end. I don't believe that's true. See, Scripture says, if you love me, you will follow me and obey me. And so just pause for a moment. Let this sink into your heart and your mind. Oh, I am excited if you receive Jesus. I'm so excited. In a few moments, you'll have an opportunity to repent. You'll have an opportunity to receive Him. But if you call yourself a believer and you re refuse to follow His ways and you refuse to be obedient, I'm questioning your walk with God and your understanding of Holy Scriptures. When you rebel against God, when you do your own things, when you knowingly violate scriptures and his ways, you're not loving Jesus properly. And you cannot have real peace. And again, so many Christians just simply grieve Holy Spirit and unfortunately have taken their salvation so lightly. And God has so much more for us. He wants to convict us. He wants to counsel us. He wants to empower us. He wants to fill you up. He wants to power up. He wants to give you more power. He wants you to, that power of Him to flow through us. But we have stopped expecting the more from Him. We have limited what He wants to do in our life because we stopped trusting Him. We stopped obeying Him. And we stopped seeking Him. 
Trust and peace go hand in hand. When you trust him, you obey him and follow him. When he says do something, do something. And do what he tells you to do. It's pretty simple. When he says go, go. When he says wait, wait. When he says he wants to empower you with something greater, and he says wait in my presence, bask in my presence, do what he tells you to do. This is not complicated, church. Oh, I don't understand all the things in the Bible. No, neither do I. Just, but there's some basic stuff that we got to put forward. Trust the Lord at all times. Pray without ceasing. Amen? Be obedient. You might not always understand the why. But when God says do it, do it. Many believers are just motivated by their self-interest and their own schemes. They're not following the Spirit of God. And then they go down this very dark road and say, where's my peace? What happened to me? How did I get here? Many have stopped searching and desiring and seeking the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Many fear it. Many don't want it. And God has so much more, right? His power is without limit, church. We limit His power in our lives because of our, our unbelief and our disobedience. We don't trust Him. But I want to encourage you today and in the next few moments, keep seeking more of God. Keep pressing in for whatever He wants from you. Ask Him to open up your eyes so that you can see Him with more clarity this morning. Oh, don't shut down right now, church. Oh, stay in this pocket and just listen. Ask Him. Say, Lord, give me a greater awareness of who you are. Open up my eyes so I might see you. Oh, Lord, give me greater faith in you. Oh, help me with my unbelief. Desire a greater measure of the Spirit of God to, be, to dwell in you and to be in operation in your life. And when that empowerment comes upon you, you're going to be a better witness. A lot of times we're terrible at witnessing because we, we have rejected the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And when we get that empowerment from God, we become promoters of His kingdom of God. And so many believers have just stopped and paused at salvation. But we need to pivot for the more and say we want more from God. We want more from heaven. We want more from King Jesus. We want more of the Spirit of God to dwell in us and to motivate through us. Amen. And when you receive Jesus, you receive His Spirit. In that very moment. But some people's attitude is, I made it to heaven. And that's enough. Like the thief on the cross who received Jesus in that very final hour. What a wasted life. Thank God he made it to glory. What a wasted life. God had so much more in store for his life. And God has so much more for your life. Salvation is the beginning. Sanctification is the process of maturing in your faith. Hallelujah. We are to mature in our faith. Don't limit what God wants. I don't know about you. I want every spiritual blessing that God has for me. I don't want just a little bit. I want a lot of bit. Don't limit what God's going to do in your life. Speak to Him from your heart. And when you seriously commit yourself to Him, He will become the great I Am. He will be your peace. He will be your shalom, right? He will be your help in, in times of trouble. And the, and the type of peace that he gives you is not of this world. It's perfect and it's good. And Jesus will be your perfect peace. Amen? May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust him so they may overflow with hope by the power of Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, my wife and my daughter in just a moment are going to sing this song. Just listen to the words and let your heart be ministered to. But just in the next minute, the peace that I'm talking about today, you can have, but only if you receive Jesus as your Messiah. And so, you just need to know that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God, born of a virgin, lived on the earth he was yes he was a prophet yes he was a miracle worker but he was the son of the living God he is Jesus is God and when you receive Jesus as God and you believe in his death and his resurrection and that he ascended to heaven you will have his peace that transcends all understanding you just simply speak to him to, from your heart and just believe in those things and he understands your heart and your mind and if you did that today you will receive Jesus but now you need to live and walk with him and get, get, get plugged into a church, get plugged into faithful ones. And maybe you, your faith, maybe you're a believer, but your faith has been diminished 
your peace is gone, you're living in fear, mask, no mask, election, no election, good year, bad year, forget about it. Focus on God. Focus on Jesus Christ, the way maker, the miracle worker. Real peace only comes from a real perfect God, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Let's listen to the song.
just understand the power in his name and who he is. The God of creation king, he's here. And he sends us, sends us his Holy Spirit to dwell in us. And then we can have his peace, peace that only comes from him. I give you my peace. Father God, I just thank you for this service. We thank you, Lord, for what's happening here, oh God. Oh Lord, help us not to see with human eyes, but see, Lord, in the spiritual realm. To see, Lord, that you're pleased. To see that you're, that you're moving forward, Lord God, and you're, and you're doing things behind the scenes, oh God, Lord. As your people serve you, as they cry out to you, as they look to you, oh God, as they obey you, oh God, with their everything. You will be their peace, oh God. You will be their shalom, oh Lord. Lord, bless all that's happening, oh God, or coming and are going. We thank you for the work that you're doing here. In Jesus' name, amen. Gathering tonight at 6 o'clock. Come back out for a great time of worship. Amen.